Hey, this is Big Rev. Thanks for tuning in to Masterclass Theology, a weekly podcast where we study books of the Bible a verse at a time and apply it to our lives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's rock. Let's pray. God, thank you for this evening. Thank you for this opportunity to study your word and for these men and women who faithfully journey uh, together. And Lord, this is just a... uh, it's a special book because we get, we get to see these characters and some of these characters is horrible. And, but we learn from the horrible and we learn from the bad examples as well as the good. And we just thank you for this book of judges and for what you have to teach us. And we pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. All right. We've got the screen share here. Let me get it up just a little second. Um, I just want to make sure we're still recording. Everything's good. Boom, boom, boom. I don't want to, I don't want to lose that. All right because that is hello out there in podcast land as well. Welcome those who are here in the Zoom. And it's just good to see you see you all. It's good to, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're listening as well. And you know what? If I could figure it out, my goal is to have these Samson studies. Uh, I'd like to start a YouTube channel and I'd like to just start putting them on there. And, but you know what, I've, I've got a, I've got a face for radio, so it's probably not the best idea, but that's all right. All right. So here we go. We are in judges 14 and 15. Again, the, the judges cycle, especially with the major judges and, and Samson is a major judge. He's the last judge is Israel's apostasy, then Yahweh's anger, then Yahweh's compassion and Israel's apostasy. So all of our text tonight is going to be in the Yahweh's compassion category. That's where we ended last week. 14, 1 to 4, Samson went down to Timnah, and there saw a young Philistine woman. Remember, we just left off with Samson. We, we, we left off with his mom and dad. The dad we know is Manoah, and his mom is unnamed. We have no idea what her name is. The text doesn't tell us. And the last thing we know is, is that mom gave him a name, and it was a very Canaanite name, and we weren't expecting that. We weren't expecting anything like that because the text had been setting Samson up to be a very, very godly figure. And we, I mean, and not only a Nazarite, which is a very special designation in the Old Testament for somebody to come close to God with a voluntary sacrifice, but a Nazarite from birth. So there was going to be some tension about this where he really has no choice whether he's going to be a Nazarite or not, but he's going to be extra close to God, at least on paper. We're expecting something amazing. And then mom drops that name. And so all of a sudden we're going, well, I don't know. What was that all about? So we have this tension here. And so now, now Samson's an adult. He's, uh, he's, he's starting to look at women now. And he sees a young Philistine woman. And when he, uh, when he returned, uh, he went there, he saw a woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Okay. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. The idea, you know, she's right in my eyes. She's the one who's right in my eyes, in my understanding. Okay, that's what that verse means. It's like, she's the right one for me. Dad's saying no, but he's saying, no, 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 no. She is, I'm telling you. His parents did not know that this is from the Lord, 
who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah, Randy texted in. Thank you, boy. Was Sammy here the spoiled brat? And you got yes, and you got to understand. This is a time period where you wouldn't talk that way to mom and dad, where that was you really honored your 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 elders, your 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 parents especially. It was a, it's just one of those things where you, this was they would play into the the, the, the wedding joke. Remember, there was another Old Testament character that did, did this too. Remember Esau? Esau had a he wanted a certain wife, and and his parents were like, "Whoa, now let's make a better choice." But you know, so this this is something that is in Israel's history where it's like mom and dad have an influence in who your wife or husband is going to be kind of thing. And, and Samson, it's like having none of it. Okay. At all. Maybe he grew up with the, I'm the special kid. Now I get what I want. I don't know. That seems fitting to me. It fits with how the Samson's acting here. Um, yeah. Samson's a word about Samson. Well, Samson, um, what determines his morality, his senses, his uh what he sees with his eyes he trusts what he thinks about those determine what's right to him samson is um well she's right in my eyes he's ruled by his senses his desires and i know i know that's a lot of my life being ruled by my desires and a part of my life i just really regret and it's, it's just tempting to be there and to crouch at the door of my heart telling me a lot of people, they want to say, follow your heart. And they want to look at their desires and say, well, that's telling me where I should go. And, and remember, we've said this before, your heart is like a, a thermometer. It reveals a lot, but it's a really poor thermostat. It don't, don't, don't set the direction of your life by your heart. It's going to lead you astray. And yeah, and, and that's just kind of where Samson's at. He's, um, he demands his, his parents to satisfy this decision he's made. Um, he, reverse, he refuses to delay his gratifications. Verse two is like, do it now. Uh, let's just not, we're not going to talk about this. I want it now. Okay, we, uh, we, if we would see that in a movie, we'd be like, oh my gosh, what a brat. Oh my, are you kidding me? What, are they going to spank that kid? What are they going to do with this guy? Um, yeah. Um, so Samson it seems to be just ruled by his flesh and by his passions. And if that is you, um, then pay attention to Samson's story because it, it, it means extra much here. That's a really awkward sentence, but it, it should mean something more to you. To see someone else ruled by their passions and how God deals with that, how God treats with that. Um, and a word about God here, what in the world do we do with this? Um, yeah, Mick texted in here. Verse four is like an, uh, an in-text commentary to draw attention to God's sovereignty. God uses Samson's stupidity to achieve his own purpose. Yeah, see, that, that, that the real tension of verse four is, is the parenthetical part, because it either says that God is inciting Samson to do these things, um, like his sinful choices and the God's making him do that kind of thing, um, or since, you know, the book of James says that God does not tempt us to sin, as, as in God wants us to sin, or um, that God's sovereignty accounts for Bozo Samson and his lustful choices. 
And I like that second option better because I know seasons of my life where I had my own choices, my own lustful choices that I chose. And lust doesn't have to be sexual. It could just be selfishness. Something about you, a desire in you that you are choosing to put over God. And that is most of our lives at some point, if not all of our lives. And in God's sovereign plan, he's brought you to this season right now, even though you might have had that previous season, even though maybe you're there now. I don't know. But God's sovereignty is not limited by Samson's choices, but God's sovereignty is able to still use Samson, even though Samson is a selfish bozo making his own choices like that. And I like that. I really like that a lot, that God's sovereign plan, that we don't all have to be perfect to be used by God because God's the perfect one and God's the one working out his, his plan. And he sometimes chooses to use even a me, even a you. And uh, yeah, make us happy with that. Absolutely. Option two, he texts in. Nothing catches God by surprise. God's got every angle figured out. Amen. And so a word about Samson, a word about God. Um, yeah, so God, God is the one still driving the train. And so Samson's not perfect. Samson makes horrible choices. And they may reflect poorly on God, but they do not stop God's plan. And God is still able to use a Samson. God can still use you. Don't you ever forget that. Now, it doesn't mean you just choose whatever you want. And like, okay, God, I, I, I guess I can just choose whatever I want to do. And to heck with you. Well, that's not going to go well with you. You're going to have to give an account for those choices. But those choices aren't going to limit God and what God decided to do. So Samson, the Nazarite, 15 or 14, 5 to 9. Here we go. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the, the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. Him. Okay. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Because, you know, I guess we can all identify with, you know, tearing a young goat in half with your hands. But evidently, here it is. But he told neither his father nor mother what he had done. Okay, so the text helps us out here. He's by himself. So he must have wandered off, left mom and dad, you know, doing their thing, walking, you know, hand in hand, a little romantic stroll through the vineyard or something. He takes off going the other way. Maybe he's trying to catch this girl before they see him, see her. And roar, you know, a lion just jumps out of nowhere. And God, the spirit of the Lord comes upon him. And Samson tears it like a phone book or something, you know. Whoa. And you can't tear a phone book either. You're not tearing a young goat. Uh, wow. So, yeah, we got to keep reading here. What in the world am I doing? Uh, he didn't tell what, what he did not tell his father and mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the women, and he liked her. Oh, I bet. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass, and in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate it as he went along. I personally don't like to have my hands sticky. That's just not. That's kind of my thing. I just don't like it. Um, I'm not a big fan of a dog licking my hands. A dog can lick this side of my hand, like backside. But if it's the, the, the side that kind of belongs to me, it's like, I don't want anything licking that side of my hand. I'm just weird like that. I can't imagine honey in my hand. But remember, honey is like the sweetest thing they got. So that's like um, when the text says, you know, taste and see the Lord is good. It's like the, the, the law of the Lord is sweeter than honey. That was saying something. I mean, that's wow. So he's eating honey out of his hand like a boss here. I guess. And yeah. And when he rejoined his parents, he gave them some and they ate it too. Well, they're not going to pass up honey. Are you kidding me? 
it's, you know, uh, all right, son, I'll, I'll eat some sticky stuff out of your hand. Sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, but he did not tell them where he had taken the honey, that he had taken it from the carcass of a lion. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes, Randy, I agree. Tearing a, a goat apart is so easy. That's exactly right. It's just uh, the text here just gives us a nice sarcastic moment, I guess. Um, so we have a superhuman strength, but a super shut mouth. Can't just hold on to that for one second. He's got superhuman strength by, by you know, the, the hand of God, coming, spirit of God coming upon him, rips a line in half, but all of a sudden a super shut mouth. Well, what's that all about? Um, well, we do get a rare picture here of how Samson acts when nobody's around, okay, like a character thing here, uh, when he's by himself. And it's truly, when God came upon him, tearing a lion in half is truly a marvelous feat. No one is questioning that. No one's going, oh my gosh, you know, that's nothing. You no, know, that's not the case at all. That's a, this is a very impressive thing. Um, but um, he's a Nazarite. Remember, we read that last time. One of the restrictions of a Nazarite is not to come in contact with any dead thing. And here we not only have a dead thing, um, but the Nazarite Samson made the dead thing. It goes without saying that you weren't putting your Nazarites on the front line of your, your battlefield, okay, where they could possibly either come across a dead fellow soldier or they themselves make a dead soldier by killing someone. You, you, the, the, the Nazarites were special. You did not treat them that way. They, they was like a very special thing to have in your community. It's very unique. It's just a, a scripture like, wow, what a very special thing. And here's Samson, this Nazarite, doing a very un-Nazarite thing. And yeah, and then he didn't, he can't have any contact with the dead. He can't produce a corpse. Um, and if he does, remember what we read, if, if something happened, and the Nazarite broke his vow. What did he have to do? There was like a special eight-day thing they had to go through, shave the head, and like you know, put some, um, sacrifice some animals. But, you know, Samson's getting married. Eight days? I ain't got time for that. You're not going to crimp my style. No one's going to tell me to stop. I got a marriage to get to. Mine. I got this woman I'm going to have. Mine. I don't care where she's from. I liked her. I don't care what mom and dad say, what other people say. I want her. I will have her. It's like Gaston and Beauty and the Beast. It's like, I, I will marry Belle. Like, I don't care what anyone else says. I want her. She's going to be mine. That's it. And everything else doesn't matter. Because all that matters is what my lust are telling me. I'm going to do it. There you go. It's just, it's just, you know, um, the dead lion, let's call that strike one, the Nazarite playbook. Thanks, Mick. Strike one. Okay, that's a baseball analogy. Um, at this point in the story, what seems, and that's, well, we have what seems important to Samson, um, the convenient, what's right there, whatever's right in his own eyes, that's important to Samson. I want it. My body wants it. My mind wants it. My heart wants it. I can have it because I'm me. So I will have it. It's just what the here, the now, the convenient, doesn't matter. I want it. Um, 
well, uh, further opportunity here. Um, he has a moment of decision. He could fess up to mom and dad um, about the lion. Now he makes it worse by offering them some honey from this lion's carcass. I mean, how un-Nazarite do you get at this point? Not only did you kill the lion, you might be able to say, well, I mean, come on. I mean, I'm just walking along and a lion comes out of here. What am I supposed to do? Run away from something that's faster than me? I don't know. Maybe the answer there is, I mean, God's power came upon. I mean, I don't know what to say to Samson here, but I do know at this point, you don't go back to that corpse and have your lunch out of that corpse. So you don't go back and go, oh, honey, look at that. Let me dig in this rotten thing here. It gets, oh, honey, yeah. And then let's go sit and give it to mom and dad because now mom and dad are ceremonially unclean. Okay. And that was supposed to mean something. You could not then have intimacy with God, you know, in the temple or whatnot. I'm not saying that people cared about that at this time, but at least in theory, that's what was supposed to matter and that you kept that purity. And yeah, and Mick texted in as strong as he was, he could have subdued the lion instead of killed the lion. And that, 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 that would be the possibility right there. It's like, you know what, just, just, just deck him and run or something. I don't know. The spirit of the Lord's coming upon you. God's not saying here, I've given you my power. Now, now, now disobey me. I mean, this is, I, I don't know. I mean, it, the Samson story is, is odd because every time God's power comes upon Samson, he kills people. Okay. So we're, we're, we're just kind of looking at this story and going, well, well, Joel, you've been saying he's supposed to be a Nazarite. I know there's a tension. But every judge in the book is killing people. So there's just that tension there. It's like, well, what do I do with that? And But you, 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 what you do is you take a bath in that tension. You stay with that tension. And you, and, and because the text is inviting you to. It just keeps telling you these. It's not telling you about the time when Samson went apple picking. It's telling you about the time when Samson tore a lion in half and then ate honey out of his innards. It's like... They, the text is being clear about this. We got we to gotta take the text at face value. And yeah, um, yeah, he didn't really care for his parents. He just didn't care for them. He didn't care for them in the first place. I, this is the last thing he cares about if they're, they're going to be, you know, ceremonially unclean or not. But um, yeah, that's a good point, Mick. Okay, uh, Rachel, sorry, first, what kind of weird bees think a lion's corpse is a good home? I don't know. I just, I just, I, I don't know. It's a good question, but you know what? You, you, you find honey, you eat honey, I guess. It's like, it's like if I'm digging through my cabinet and I find a, you know, a, a Hershey bar from a couple of years ago, you know, I, I don't care if it, it, and I got burnt by a candy bar one time. I, I found some really old chocolate and I broke into it and there was like little worms inside of there or something. So they must have some eggs they don't tell you about, but they tell you to eat by the expiration date for a reason. Anyway, you find an old chocolate bar in there. It's like, oh, look at that, a Hershey bar. Boy, I've got a cup of coffee. I really could use some chocolate. You're not going to look that Hershey bar in the face. You're going to eat that, probably eat that Hershey bar. I guess you're not going to pass up honey. I don't care what, uh, yeah, just saying. Uh, okay. Yeah, and Mick texts it in. Every judge kills. Oh, Mick, thank you. You helped me with my with my uh, my puzzle there. Every judge kills, but Samson is the Nazarite, not the rest of the judges. That's a good point. Samson is supposed to be different. We are going to expect something different from Samson, we hope. And he's going to deliver Israel, but he's going to deliver it by being God's guy. I don't know what that looks like. But what I do know is that Samson right now is not living by God's standards like we would have expected him to live by God's standards. He's living by, living by his own stinking standards. 
she's right in my eyes to so go get her for me. I want this. I want that. I'm going to do this, do that. And I think we're going to keep seeing Samson do that. What kind of bees? He also said weird bees. Yeah. I just don't want to hear about those bees. That's uh, a feast in a, a feast and a riddle. Samson is a riddler. We're, we're going to encounter some riddles with Samson. I'm not going to say these riddles. If you are, if you are a riddler, maybe you like that scene in, um, was it the Hobbit? Where, uh, where, where Bilbo was in those caverns and he has to riddle with Smeagol when he gets that ring and they're, I'm going to kill you unless you eat you, unless you, you know, unless you out riddle me or, and they have this big riddle adventure and, and it's just, and he escapes. And, and I, if you're a riddle person, this might be good for you. I don't know. A feast and a riddle, 10 to 17. Here we go. Now his father went down to see the woman and there Samson held a feast as was customary for young men. When the people saw him, they chose 30 men to be his companions. So how about that? He gets 30 best friends right away. Let me tell you a riddle, Samson said to them. If you can give me the answer within the seven days of the feast, I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. If you can't, you must tell me. You must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. Well, tell us your riddle, they said. Let us hear it. He replied, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. And that's it. For three days, they could not give the answer. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, coax your husband into explaining the riddle to us, or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Oh, gee, 30 guys, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> Wow. Did you invite us here to steal our property? Then Samson's wife threw herself on him sobbing. Oh, women, don't do this. Oh, gosh, you hate me. You don't really love me. Oh, Jesus, this is, yeah. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. A little violin playing somewhere. Me, 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 me. This is so sad. I haven't even explained it to my father or mother. So why should I explain it to you? Well, Samson, I guess you're just a happy husband there, man. She cried the whole seven days of the feast. She's laying it on thick, isn't she? So on the seventh day, he finally told her because she continued to press him. And she in turn explained the riddle to her people. Okay, well, she doesn't want to die. She doesn't want her dad to die. Okay. At this point in the story, we're not looking at her and going, well, gee, what a fake person. No, she's a Philistine. Okay, she's the enemy. This is not like a, a Roman. This is not like the, the, the Romeo and Juliet, Juliet Capulets and Montague, star-crossed freaking lovers here. No, this is an Israelite and a Philistine. Okay, this is David and Goliath. I mean, this is like, the, the, you, don't, you don't get married here. Okay, and, and that was Samson's dad's idea. Hey. Go find an Israelite. It doesn't have to be from our clan. Go, go elsewhere. Get someone else, but don't, don't marry a Philistine. Are you kidding me? <sighs> yeah. So, so yeah, that was um, yeah, the, the riddle, the feast and a riddle. And the answer in the aftermath, 18 to 20 here. Before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, and they're probably all cocky because they got the answer. Here we go. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson's not an idiot. He said to them, 
And of course, I, I just went after you ladies about playing the charms there that you don't love me. Men, don't call your wife a heifer, because here we go. If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved by riddle. Riddle. Yeah. Then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. And Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who had attended him at the feast. Well, how about that? What seems important to Samson here? Yeah. You know, that riddle was beautiful, by the way. The Hebrew storytelling is just great. And this, this is just great. I mean, it's a great story. I mean, how Samson used an event in his life that no one could possibly know about. And he makes that his thing. I mean, he, he's on, he, he's just, he's in his own little world, but, he, but his world makes sense to him. And he goes with it, uh, plying with his heifer. Yeah. Um, he goes to Ashkelon, which is 20 miles away. And um, yeah, you know, and to use Mick's argument here um, about the lion, um, it, he could have just, you know, used the spirit of the Lord come upon him. And I guess, you know, just, forcibly taken the clothes or something like that maybe maybe turn into like a mafia thing it's like start breaking arms or something i don't know but there it is all right so let's see uh, okay so i gotta catch up on my text here rachel said you said megan had a really good point um there you go uh verse 10 verse 10 feast for the young men you know this involves drinking yes and the reason why we can't be too hard on Samson here is that the feast does not tell us he got blind, stinking drunk. But he's, I'm sure at some point in this seven-day feast that would have involved wine. Because if it involved a wine in Jesus' day, wedding at Cana, I mean, weddings have wine. It's not like you have a whole litany of beverage options. You've got wine. And if you can drink the water, water. It's like, that's it. I mean, um, yeah, so he, he, either, he either was a drinker or he probably came into contact somewhere or he produced it, which kind of just like, Here, here's my feast. Drink up, be hearty, be merry. There you go. I don't know. It just looks bad on him. Um, but that's strike two, the Nazarite playbook, yes. Randy, you know, she should have told Samson about the threats the bridegrooms had made to her, the groomsmen. Yes. She didn't love him. She said, you don't love me. You don't love him. But you know what? He's this big power. He's this, this alpha male personality. He gets what he wants and he got her and she, you know what? And as we're going to see with the dad, you know, just gives her away to the next guy. He, he just kind of looks like he wants to get, get the women out of his house. He's got daughters. Let's get them out of here. Get them married. Just saying, you know, he, he doesn't even wait two minutes. He's, he's Samson comes back. He's and he's she's gone. She's married to the next guy, one of the best men. Just oh yeah, just go marry him now. And you know, there you go. But yeah, um, yeah. So that really just ends chapter fourteen. Um, Samson, of course. Uh, you know, the great irony of Samson here. Um, he is. Um, a lion attacks him, we'll rip it in half. A beautiful woman starts to charm him. He weak, he's weak. We're gonna see this again. 
you know her name is, will be Delilah. But the charms of a woman will beat Samson. A lion? Oh, heck no. That lion's toast. Six million Philistines? Oh, they're done. But a woman? So what is, what, what's important to Samson? I think Mick answers it here. He texts in, Samson demonstrates he doesn't care about anyone or anything. You know, he did not abstain from drinking. He's the indulgence king. That's right. He never met, he never missed an opportunity to please himself. And uh, Ruth texts in, women are not of value. They are possessions, and, but a woman defeats him. Yeah, it's a great irony. Defeated by a woman. And yeah, nothing else is going to defeat this guy but his own selfishness. And, and women are, that's, that's his. It's his heifer they plowed with, that field they plowed with. It's his, it's his belonging. So, all right. A common theme in the book of Judges. Yep. Doing what's right in your own eyes. Amen. All right. Well, let's move on to, uh, he's got, he's motivated. What's important to Samson? His anger and his vengeance and his self and his selfishness and his desires. And if he is slighted, he's going he's gonna to do something about that. Chapter 15, one to two. Uh, we have some assumptions here. Oh, women beating men. Uh, yes, sorry, Mick. Women beating men, a common theme in the book of Judges. Yes, these, these weak, not, nothing to write home about women. Um, and they are, yes, they're the heroes in the book of Judges. And the men, well, mo most times they're not. Okay, even with, with Barak, it was really Deborah being the heroic one. And then Jael, uh, putting the tent peg through Sisera's head, not, uh, not, not Barak doing it. But... But yes, that's a good point. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, chapter 15, one to two. I'll get you my text here. Later on, at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat and went to visit his wife. This, I guess, is like he's bringing home a box of chocolates, I guess, because he wants to get her back. Um, and and uh, he's, uh, he's just coming home with a young goat, you know, uh, see, I haven't ripped it in half. It's yours, you know, here, here we go. Uh, well, Samson took a young wife. He said, I'm going to my wife's room, but her father would not let him go in. I was so sure you hated her, he said, that I gave her to your companion. Isn't her younger sister more attractive? Take her instead. Oh, this, by the way. When I go to the, when I go to, I used to go to the nursing home and uh, they love, they love, oh my darling, oh my darling, oh my darling Clementine. That's a horrible song. Horrible. Google the words to it. Those of you who've heard me tell the story before, you're already laughing. Okay. It's uh, the, the, the song itself is horrible. That minor 49er. Okay. The chorus is, is lovely. It's, it's a sweet little chorus. The last verse of the song, Clementine's dead. And she had her body's not even not even warm yet, and not even cold. And and he's moved on to kissing her little sister. Okay, he's moving on to the next gal. That's what dad's here saying. Hey, she's got a little sister, and you know what? She looks twice as good. Or she's isn't she more attractive? And don't you want her? I mean, come on. I mean, and he's probably thinking, geez. I mean, I, I get to get rid of another daughter, and I get to have an empty home, and not have the fun. This is perfect. Hey, sit, come on back here, pal. You know, I got another one for you. And it doesn't matter if she's a supermodel. Why does it not matter that, that the younger sister is prettier? Isn't it better? Don't you want a younger model, Samson? I mean, this is like the, the misogynist dream right here. Remember, Samson, no one tells Samson what to do. No one tells him what he can have and certainly what he can't have. 
you don't do that to Samson. She could be the prettiest girl on earth. Samson wants his wife. Samson wants that, that one that he chose, not this one. He is not going to play that game. No one tells Samson what to do. No one. How dare you? So, yeah. Um, Samson is... Um, he reminds me of I forget I forgot what Marvel movie it is but is it was it Captain America some, someone maybe it was Iron Man ask the Incredible Hulk how do you stay angry all the time how do you he, the Incredible Hulk you know Bruce Banner gets angry and then all of a sudden he can, he's able to use that anger to turn into the Incredible Hulk and it's like how do you just turn that on how do you get to that point where it's like at a moment's notice, you can just be like, and you can turn to the Hulk again. And this really moment of just lucidity, he turns to whoever asked that question. You know, Mick, you would know because you're the comic book guy. I don't know who said it. Okay, who asked the question? But he said, I'm always angry. So it's easy to turn into the Credible Hulk because I've always got that anger right there. And there are a lot of people. It was, it was, okay, it was Captain America. Okay, Captain asked the question. And, and, and Hulk said, I'm always angry. That's Samson. You got to keep the pilot light lit on your hot water heater, don't you? His pilot light is always lit. At a moment's notice, he's ready. He's angry. He's vengeful. It's on. Okay, that's, that is, I'm always angry. Yeah, it's, um, He's a contrarian mctex. He's the ultimate countercultural, anti-establishment, selfish individualist. All right. Well, that's a uh, that's quite a sentence there. That's uh, we'll have to look look at that one later. Yeah, that's amazing. That's where Samson is. The pilot light is always lit. What about you? Is always lit. Think about that right now. For him, it's anger. He's a reactionary. He's going to react. And we're going to see this with vengeance and counter vengeance and counter counter vengeance. We're going to see these things. Um, yeah, he makes it, you say right, he's going to go left because heck with you. Yeah, but what is always lit with you? At a moment's notice, what's ready? What selfish thing about you is always lit and ready to go? You know, you got to throw yourself into the Samson story and ask those things about yourself. Maybe for you, it's not anger. Maybe for you, it's not anger and lust. Maybe for you, it's, it's, it's truth and gossip and making yourself look good. Maybe you're, you're kind of a codependent controller of situations. Maybe you are just ready with a dirty joke or a filthy mouth. Or I, what is it about you that's always lit? That's your go-to move. Maybe you're very defensive. You don't confront them. I don't know what it is. What is it about you? We call those things defense mechanisms. And certain, you know, think, what is it about you that's ready to go at a moment's notice? I don't know. I don't know at all. Three to eight. But you got to ask those questions about yourself. If you expect to grow as a person, as a Christian, you're going to focus on denying yourself. And that pilot light can't stay lit. It needs to be quenched and turned off. All right. Three to eight. No, no. Yeah, three to eight. Samson said to them, because remember, he just said, "You take take the younger daughter instead. You her younger sister, and you know, just do. And, and you know, you can't have, you can't go into her room. But you know what? You, you can have the, you can have the younger sister." And 
Samson said to them, aha, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. This next scene is amazing. I, I don't care how you, how you parse it. This is freaking amazing. Okay, this, I mean, you've heard the saying, it's like herding cats. You don't, you don't herd cats. Cats are unherdable. Okay, like a dog would herd, you know, some, 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 a flock of sheep or something. I don't know how Samson did this. He went out and caught 300 foxes. I have seen like two foxes in my life. This dude goes out and finds 300 of them and tied them tail to tail in pairs. For the record, any creature does not like to be tied with its tail with another said creature with its tail. I'm just saying. I don't know if it was like, or whatever it was, he put up with it and tied them, okay, tied them tail to tail in pairs and then fastened a torch to every set of tails and then lit those torches and let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks and the standing grain together with the vineyards and olive groves. When the Philistines asked who did this, they were told Samson, the ten night son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. So the Philistines went up and burned her and the father to death. And they got to do it evidently. They threatened to do it. If you don't tell us to answer the stinging riddle, but now they got to do it. Samson said to them, because we're not expecting Samson to fold here. And you go, oh my gosh, look at what I've done. Oh, I've been a jerk. Oh boy, I should have really thought about my actions. Um, no, you just, you just took revenge on Samson. He's not going to take that. You're going to get something coming back at you. Okay, this is, all right. For some, for some people, that's why they love Samson. Because Samson punches back. Just saying. For some people looking at this story, you know, you got someone in your life that's not really a Bible person, take them through Samson's story. I bet they might be going, oh yeah, I'd punch back too. Stinking Philistines would be take my wife from me and burn her and her family to the ground. I, mean, I don't know, but this is this is this is this is the height of, of, of storytelling right here, not me, the text. Samson said to them, since you've acted like this, we'll just forget the fact that I just you know sent you know 60 foxes of flame in your field. Since you've acted like this, remember he's self-absorbed. He's all about himself, and you've angered me, and that's all that matters. I swear. I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. He's like a movie villain. My favorite song on the, the kids' radio is this Speed Racer song. My favorite part is when they play that old clip of that guy. It's like, you know, you beat me this time, Speed Racer, but I solemnly swear I'll race you again. And this time I'll beat you. I love that guy. It's, it's hilarious. I turn the radio up and go, yeah, he's going to solemnly swear. Here we go. It's my favorite part of that song when it comes on. He's just like a villain here. I'm going to get my vengeance. I'm going to get it. You're not, uh, yeah, you're, you're not going to have it here. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. Then he went down. Oh, no, no, excuse me. I'll have my revenge on you. He attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in a cave in the rock of Etam. Okay. Wow. So, Yeah. Get caught up on text here. Randy texting, you know, Sammy isn't the sharpest tool in the shed, but you got to give him points or creative means to mess with the Philistines. Yeah, that 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 fox thing was genius. I just got to say, that's pretty. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's called missing the point. 
Yeah, I don't know what Samson's got going on here, except he's very self-involved, very self-absorbed, and he is he's gonna get his revenge no matter what. That's just what he does. Um he's a man ruled by his passions, his senses, and his lusts. Let me say that again. Samson is a man ruled by his passions, his senses, and his lusts. He alone is the final arbiter of what is right. What is right? What is wrong? Samson doesn't need anybody to tell him that. He is the arbiter. He is the judge. Whatever is right to him is therefore right. That's a scary place to be. If you ever think you're going to honor God. Because then if you're the final arbiter of what is right, the ends always justify the means. Because the ends are your ends. Yeah, Randy's right. That's pretty much how the whole book goes. It is. That's why Judges is a good, a good book for us to go through because we're tempted to do that. Yeah. Might makes right. Yeah, thanks, Mick. That's, that's, that's Samson. And it's, it's just whatever he wants and whatever he can accomplish, he's going to do. And whether God's spirit is on him or God's spirit is, I don't think God's, I didn't read God's spirit coming upon him with those foxes. Samson just did it which means that he's capable of things even when God's spirit doesn't come upon him. He's capable of doing some pretty amazing things. This is not, there's plenty of, plenty of talented people out there that are not honoring God, even though they're doing some amazing things. Just saying, it's just, yeah, he's Samson in control, yeah. Tragic irony. It's just, it's, he's, try to imagine the logistics of finding 300 foxes, catching them, tying them by the tail, fastening burning torches to them, transporting them to a location, and then setting them free. What lengths this man's going to go to to have his vengeance? Um, remember, as a Nazarite, he's supposed to be, a Nazarite's supposed to have a special closeness with God, um, not revenge. Yeah, I'm just not, not seeing this is what God really designed for the judges to do. Deliver the people of Israel. Don't be like this weird lust-driven despot or something. Revenge. Um, yeah, well, Samson's uh, personal vendetta continues. You know, the, the thing about Samson is some people read this story and go, you know, he he, he meant well, and he, he had no choice. I mean, they took his wife. What's he supposed to do? They took his wife. I mean, this is like every Liam Neeson movie. It's like, well, what do we do with this? I mean, it's like, come on, you know, he's holding tough cards. I mean, come on, he's supposed to do something here. We, 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 those are the kind of movies we like. We want William Wallace to take it to the English. We want to watch, we watch the whole movie going, they killed his wife. Now, we're, now he's going to, you know, freedom. We're going to have that whole big revenge. Revenge makes a wonderful movie. Revenge makes a horrible disciple. I'm just going to say it. Revenge makes a wonderful movie. It makes a horrible disciple. You cannot possibly honor God if you are being vengeful. Because you're the one who's being honored, not God. Um, yeah. God called his people to his standards 
And Deuteronomy 32 says, and 35 says, the vengeance is mine to repay, not Samson's to repay, mine. Um, I mean, theoretically, there's already been Deuteronomy 19. Moses is already dead. I mean, he's already, we've already had these books. There are cities of refuge that Samson could have gone to. He still had chance to repair his character by doing things God's way. I mean, he could have gone and he could have stopped. The whole city of refuge thing was meant to stop revenge cycles. And you've got like this, you know, this, this, this avenger of blood. You're supposed to avoid him. The, the vengeance thing could have stopped if Samson was thinking God's way. It could have happened that way. This, that was at least on the books. You could have done that, but that wasn't on Samson's mind. Um, yeah. Samson is trying to exert control over his life, but he's controlled by his life. Samson is controlled by his passions and, and desires. And nobody can control Samson. Nobody can tell Samson what to do. That's the tragic irony of Samson and control. Nobody can tell Samson what to do, but his desires tell him what to do. Nobody can control Samson, but Samson's desires control Samson. He's the ultimate tragic alpha male. Nobody can control him. He himself can't even control him. His own desires own him and rule him. Samson, the, Samson, the reactionary, yeah. Um, yeah, Randy, it's a, it's a good, good – oh, Rachel first, excuse me. Um, you know what? Sorry. Aaron first. Even though she wasn't a Nazarite, I somehow feel like Deborah would have been a good example of how a Nazarite should rule. Okay, sure. She's a great example of many things. Uh, Rachel, he left her after the wedding for who knows how many days or months before coming back to finally claim her. Yeah, I mean, none of us are, 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 are questioning her dad saying, you know what, you're going to be given to this guy now. I mean, it's like you just, you just sat there for seven days at a wedding and the husband takes off for who knows how long. You know, it's like I, you know, I, I was promised to be got rid of one daughter. I don't know what this guy's thinking except he gives her away. So the text tells us that. So we got to think maybe that's important to him to actually give her away and to be one daughter free of the household. That's all we can guess. And so he does that right away at the next one. Hey, well, there's another one here. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, and there you go. So yeah. And Randy, uh, the whole city of refuge thing wouldn't have applied to Israelite and a Philistine. True as possible. Um, except the Israelite was doing bad. And so the Israelite would have wanted to stop having bad things going and he could have, could have fled. And so the, the Philistine wouldn't have had the avenger of blood that the, 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 you know, the Israelite family might've had, but the point there is, can we, can we stop the cycle of revenge? Possible. I, you're right. And, but at the same time, it's, you know, right now it really doesn't matter, but it's just, it was on the books. He could have, he killed somebody, and then he could have gone somewhere and hid until the high priest died and got, you know, his, his slate wiped clean kind of thing. You can't kill this guy. That was at least on the table, uh, whether it was in a Philistine or in an Israelite. Um, it was him doing it. And if he cared at all, he might have inquired about that. He said he wouldn't hit out in a cave. But it's, it's still a good point. Yeah, in fact, a bunch of Philistines. You're, you're right, Randy. All right, so 18 to 20, or 15, here we go. Samson's the ultimate reactionary. That's, by the way, not a good character trait to be reactionary. Just, just, just know that because when you're reactionary, you're not thinking. You're not loving the Lord your God with all of your mind if you're reacting with your heart or with your attitude. 
every single time I get in trouble as a husband is me being reactionary. 99 out of 100 times. And the 100th time is probably an offshoot of me being a reactionary. When I have to ask my wife to forgive me because I was reactionary. A flippant word, an attitude, anger, whatever it was, trying to score a point, just being a being adult. It's like, yeah, reactionary. It's most people who have that character flaw, number one. And it's just, yeah, don't do that. And it's a symptom of many other things. Um, but it's just, there's a reason why Jesus says, deny yourself. I've been crucified by Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body is not my own, but Christ who gave himself for me, you know, paraphrase. But the, yeah, your, your life is not your own anymore. You belong to Christ. You have no business reacting like the old you. That's not Christian. And, when you, and I'm, not, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm just saying, you know, you are needing to repent at that point. You need to confess that and be done with it. And I know that because that's my life. I'm constantly having to do that because I constantly keep doing that. Okay, and one day I hope I'm going to learn and change. And that's one of the quarantine. That's all right. My character was right there with my family, and I have to constantly address them and deal with them. My kids, they get to see daddy being a flawed guy, but daddy who is asking forgiveness of a four-year-old. They're seeing, there's there's like, you know, daddy shouldn't have lost his temper. Will you please forgive me? And hearing that little sweet, sweet little voice saying, Well, I forgive you, daddy. It's like, yeah, that's just sticking in my brain to cause me not to want to do that again, to lose my temper, to be reactionary. Oh, she spilled the milk. Big deal. Wipe it up. And they just, just deal with it. I mean, it's like, don't have to react and be a jerk kind of thing. Yeah, I'm a lot like Samson. And it irks me that I'm a lot like Samson. I want to be not Samson. Have that with your life too. Don't, don't be satisfied with where you're at. It's like you, these characters are in the Bible for you. Re, understand them and don't don't live like them. Oh, it's my life. That's my life too. Okay, we got to keep going here. So revenge. We're in verse nine, nine to sixteen. The Philistines went up and encamped in Judah, spreading out near Lehi. The people of Judah asked, "Why have you come to fight us? We've come to take Samson prisoner." They answered. To do to him as he did to us. 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Etam and said to Samson, Don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? The Sadducees are going to be like this later. Kind of like playing with Rome. We got to play nice. They're the rulers. We got to do what's right. Whose image is on that? Do you pay taxes or do you not pay taxes, Jesus? What do you do? The rulers over us. What have you done to us? Samson answered, well, I merely did to them what they did to me. Right, because they set fo foxes on fire. You know, no, 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 but in Samson's mind, it's like, it's like they took revenge upon me, so I'm going to take revenge upon them. You know, in, in a sinful person's mind, you can always justify the crap you do. I mean, there's a story about, you know, the, what was the example like a mass murderer? Well, his dad never took him to a ball game. Really? So that justifies what you did? It's like, I mean, come on. They said to Samson, we've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Now, I, I like to think here that they're talking this way because they're pretty scared. And they realize that we may not be able to tie this guy up. So maybe we can get this to figure it out itself. Okay, maybe we can just get this guy to turn himself in or something. 
Uh, we've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Phils. Usually when guys come to tie somebody up, they're not announcing it. They're not saying, hey, just saying if you're in there, we've got rope and we, you, we're going to tie you up. We, we really want to do this. So could you hold still? You, you just don't talk that way. You, you just don't sit there. And, yeah. So Samson said, well, swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed. Thinking, holy crap, this guy's going to turn himself in. We don't have to deal with this monster. Why? Yeah. We will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. We will not kill you. And you know, what happens with the Phils? That has nothing to do with us. We will not. Heck no. No way. You got it, sir. Whatever you need. Just get over here and turn around. And, yeah. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting. Well, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. The ropes in his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hands. Okay. So it's like. Uh, when, when I when I burn the croissants and leave them in the oven too long, you pick them up, you kind of do this with your hand and they crumble. That's what's happening to his hand. Rope is not binding him anymore. It's just flaking off of him. Okay. Yeah, so um, the bindings dropped and finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, we're reading the 16. Then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. Oh, Samson the poet. How about that? All right. Mick texts in, there is revenge and there is justice. Revenge is never satisfied, ultimately self-serving. Yes. Uh, Randy, they will not harm him. I bet it was more like cannot. Yeah, I bet his own people are just terrified of him. Like, what do we do? Uh, how can we deal with this guy? Um, this guy's a monster. This, nobody can touch this guy. So... Well, the reactions of the self-absorbed, all three characters here are self-absorbed. The three characters are the Philistines, Samson, and the Judahites. They're all self-absorbed. They're all self-focused. How do self-absorbed people react? Self-absorbed are concerned only with themselves. What's been done to them or what could be done? So if you're self-absorbed, you're constantly absorbed in yourself. You cannot be a Christian, a faithful Christian. I'll say that again. You cannot be a faithful Christian. If you are self-absorbed. Well, that's awful bold. If you want to follow me, Jesus says you got to deny yourself. Self-absorbed people are not self-deniers. I'm not saying you can't be a Christian. But you, you, can't, you, you can't think if you're a self-absorbed person that you are actively honoring Christ. It's not possible. You need to be Christ-absorbed, not self-absorbed. It's like, it's like you're, you're putting him on and taking you off kind of thing. It's like the old you is gone is being crucified. The new you is now here in Christ. It's like that means must be, you must be Christ-absorbed, not self-absorbed. And yeah, for the Philistines, Samson is, is, is well, he, he, he hurt us. We got to get him. The Judahites are like, well, well, well darn it. You know, you, Samson, what have you done to us? They're going to kill us. I mean, we got to get you out of here. So the, they, weren't, they weren't trying to fight for their brother who has already killed how many Philistines? I mean, at a moment's notice, he's killed like 30. I mean, how many more? It's like, he's already killed a bunch of Philistines. And rather than fight for this guy, they're like, oh, heck no. Uh, let's get this guy out of here. Everybody in the story that is in the revenge cycle, they're like a perpetual umbrage machine. They constantly take umbrage over every possible slight, and then they have to give it back. All right. That is the Samson's world. 
and the Judahites world, the Philistines world, is that your world? Are you that victim who is constantly looking for a slight so that you can start punching back? That wasn't Christ. He was like a sheep before his shears, silent. Is that you? We have to ask these kind of questions of ourselves. Many times that is not me and shame on me. Is that you? Oh my goodness, we got we got to plow to the end here. The reaction to the self-absorbed. Oh my goodness. You know, and God God came in power. You know, God God saw that his boy was uh, his boy. He raised him up. It's like that Samson was in a vulnerable position and God came upon him and he was not in a vulnerable position anymore. He was Samson with freed arms. He's like Popeye eating the spinach and all of a sudden his biceps start pumping up and down. All of a sudden Bluto knows, oh crap, he just got spinach. Now everyone's done. Okay. Now Samson's not tied anymore. Like, okay, great. Now what's going to happen? And what does a good Nazarite do in this moment? He finds the closest unclean thing he could a jawbone of a donkey and kills a bunch of guys. Oh, go Nazarite, go. <sighs> Mick, that's probably strike three. I'm just saying, there it is. He struck out. He's not even out of the first inning. Um, yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't be Samson otherwise. That's right. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, yeah, find an unclean object. It seems so. It's it's using what is available. It's just right there. Um, his riddle is a Hebrew reader would have understood it. Um, he's using a pun um, with the word donkey and the word heap. So it literally says, with the jawbone of a donkey, one heap, two heaps. And um, so someone mentioned Deborah earlier. And let me just say Deborah in her song in Judges chapter five gives all kinds of credit to God that Yahweh has done this. Yahweh has done this. Samson gives no credit to God at no time. Does God ever seem to come upon his mind with regard to the mighty things he's done? It's like Deborah was singing God's praise, you know, in the book of Exodus, the song of Moses and Miriam singing God's praise, how he took care of the Egyptian army in the Red Sea kind of thing. Here? Nah. Hey, guess what? I just killed everybody with the corpse of a donkey. Now let me sing a song about myself because you know what? I'm me and I'm worthy of songs. Oh, yeah. My goodness. Well, Samson, this text closes with a prayer which we're not expecting. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone and the place was called Ramat Lahi. Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord. You have given your servant this great victory. Oh, oh, you notice, sorry. He hasn't, he hasn't even acknowledged God. And here he is, you've given your servant this Good job, Samson. Finally, a theological moment for the boy. Here he is. You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Yeah, Randy texts until he gets thirsty. That's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, must I must I just, just die because I'm thirsty? Because you know, killing all these guys, you know, strikes, you know, it makes me thirsty. Am I just gonna be thirsty, God? I mean, I get you're doing something, but am I just going to be thirsty? Um, 
Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. So the spring was called Enhakore, and it's still there in Lehi. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. You know, two other times in scripture we have, especially the wilderness wanderings. Um, it was, let's see, if it's Exodus 17 and Numbers 20, um, Israel grumbles against God and acts selfishly. And God provides them miraculous water. Here's Samson the grumbler all over again. He finally prays. He finally acknowledges God, but it turns into a passive aggressive means to an end. He's like gaslighting on this thing. God, I get that you're here, but you must want me to die. Oh, shut up. Give me some water, God. I mean, really? I mean, so we're seeing whatever faith is. Samson's, we're not even looking at him as a paragon of faith, but already we're just like, my goodness, he's finally getting to pray. And spoiler alert, at the end of his life, he's going to pray again. God, let me have vengeance because they just took my eyes. It's all about his eyes. It's not about saving Israel. None of this is about saving. It would be like God, I... A better prayer would have been, God, if I die here, I can't deliver Israel. You don't want me dying. See, that was a kind of a prayer of Moses. God, you know what? If you take them all down, I mean, who's going to sing your prayer? Like, it doesn't give you glory to have your people look this way, God, or something. It's like to argue with God that way, using his own glory as, 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 as something to talk about. Samson just cares about himself. God, I can't accomplish your plan if I die. I'm just saying. Ah. <sighs> I don't know what to say more about this. This is, this is Samson's prayer. This is Samson where he's at. He's just kind of, you know, but the, the, the text here, he's got this career as a judge now. But look how it was described. The days of the Philistines. That's not very good. Who's in control? Who's, whose land is it? The original reader is going, what? Oh, yeah, those Philistines, gosh. Samson, the good example? Well, he prayed. He acknowledged God in some form. Um, the bad example? We've, got, we've been over that a million times. He's self-absorbed. If you, if you are a self-absorbed person, knock it off. Don't be like Samson. There's almost nothing to, to write home about about Samson, about good. God at work in Samson? God still uses him. And that should give you, this whole book of Judges ought to encourage you. If God can use these guys, he certainly can use you too. Even when you make horrible decisions and when you sin and when you are selfish and self-absorbed. And that's my story. He's used me. God is faithful to use you as well. To be glorified in your life. To be glorified in your story. If God can be glorified in Samson's story, he'll be glorified in yours. And that's the greatest lesson you can learn from the book of Judges.